Hey everyone, just wanted to quickly say that this episode did have some technical difficulties and so there were parts that we had to cut out and weren't able to save. So this one will be a little choppier than normal, but still good episode and hope you enjoy. Thanks. It's the Atop the Pitbox podcast with your hosts, Zach and Josh. Before we get into that, I do want to just say thank you for listening. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please uh, just drop a review and a five-star rating. It does help out the podcast and help people find it. Just a reminder also, on November 6th, we will be at the West Side in Harlan, Iowa for our year-end celebration. And lastly... Uh, registration is open for next year, so if you know anybody, friends and family that want to join the po- or join the league next year, atopthepitbox.com and get signed up for uh, for the list for uh, for next year. So, with that being said, let's get into some free agency slash news, Zach. Yeah, so we don't have any free agency news per se in this uh, for this week, but I figure there are some NASCAR tidbits and then while we were at bristol we were able to talk to bob pockrass uh during the tweet up that he does every week so i thought this would be a good section to kind of touch base on the conversation we had with him as well as uh, some of the things that he pointed out or some of his thoughts for um how the kurt bush tyler reddick situation is going to pan out so with that being said we went to Bob and uh, Bob Jeff Gluck Jordan Bianchi's tweet up, and we specifically talked to Bob and we asked him about the Tyler Reddick situation, and his thoughts are: as of now, Tyler Reddick is going to race for RCR next year, with a major asterisk being Kurt Busch. Kurt Busch. With his injury issues, as we pointed out, his concussion symptoms continue uh, as he's plateaued. Bob said he's plateaued around 75 to 80%, uh, which isn't 100%, so the doctors aren't going to release him. So the longer this drags on, the more and more people think Kurt Busch is probably going to retire, which would then open a seat at 2311 Racing. The rumor is, is then they would try to buy out Tyler Reddick from RCR because RCR seems to be playing hardball right now. But if for some reason they can't get Tyler Reddick into that seat, a name that just started popping up is John Hunter Nemechek, who drives for Kyle Busch Motorsports in the Truck Series. He was also the first driver on standby when Kurt Busch got hurt, uh, and they decided to go with... Ty Gibbs instead. So John Hunter Niemicek is a name to watch out for if for some reason Kurt Busch retires and Tyler Reddick cannot reach a buyout agreement uh, with RCR to go to 2311 racing. So just first off, first off, um, 
what a cool experience to meet with Bob. I know we're going to talk about our experience here at Bristol here in a minute, but uh, just a super, super nice guy answered everybody's questions and, and even brought out his notebook a couple of times just to make sure he was giving everybody the right information. It was, I was just super impressed with, with him and, and his dedication and, and just hanging out with the fans. I mean, that was, that was really, really cool. Plus he got a, you know, we got to pick his brain about some, some NASCAR stuff. Um, obviously wished we could have recorded it, but it wasn't that kind of a, kind of a deal. So, um, still a, a really cool thing, uh, with Bob. Yeah. And I, I, like you said, I wish we would, could have taped it, but it was just an impromptu quick, you know, off the cuff conversation, as you pointed out, super nice guy, uh, down to earth, had his notebook that he, he, like you said, would pull out. If someone asked him a question, he didn't know out off the top of his head. So I asked him specifically what he thought Kyle Busch's chances were at Bristol because he needed to have a good race to advance. Well, he, he pulled out his notebook. He kind of looked at practice speeds, and then he talked about his conversation that he had with him in the media center, saying that Kyle didn't feel very confident about his car. Toyotas haven't been very fast on the short tracks, and you know, unfortunately, um, they didn't have a good race and missed the playoffs. But uh, one piece of the conversation that I thought was pretty interesting and something I didn't think about is so RCR said he was going or RC, I guess, at RCR said he was going to, or already had a charter lined up for next year. Bob said that there's only two teams that he can think of that would lease a charter to Richard Childress Racing, and that is Spire Motorsports, as well as um, Rick Ware Racing. Those are the two teams that would potentially lease a charter to RCR. Now, the question came up, why would he... Why would those teams lease a charter to RCR? And the reason they would lease a charter is with how this charter system works in NASCAR, if you finish worse than 30th for three straight years, I think is the cutoff. But if you finish below the cutoff three straight years, NASCAR can pull that charter away from you, from the team. Essentially, disqualify the team per se from from being in the NASCAR Cup Series based on their performance. So Bob's logic was it's a win-win for either Spire or Rick Ware along with RCR. They could work out some type of deal where say Tyler Reddick finishes 10th in points, which for the owner standings say wins $10 million. If to lease a charter costs $5 million, They've just made that lease $10 million, but then maybe RCR could work out a deal instead of having to pay the $5 million or whatever that dollar amount is, depending on where they finish in the standings, maybe they could get a discount because they then have put that charter within that top 30 cutoff, which now resets then for the next three years. So in in essence, it buys these charters or Spire Motorsports or Rick Ware Racing an additional three years based on RCR's performance with Tyler Reddick. What are your thoughts on that? It's pretty interesting. I, I had no idea about the essentially teams getting relegated. Um, it that's that's interesting. So it makes sense. Um, a lot of moving parts. I, I I keep going back to to Kurt Busch, and I really feel for him. I I just I wish everybody should get to go out 
the way that they want to go out and not have injury be the reason that that your career ends um we all want that victory tour and and you know retirement tour um so hopefully he gets healthy and he can he can race and obviously he was winning he was doing well for 2311 and i'm sure they want him back and provide some great leadership on that team and you know, hopefully, hopefully he gets back healthy and he can get back with the team and, and back racing for next year. So one other thing before we move on to the other note, um, when we met Bob, we all were wearing our atop the pit box shirts. Um, but it, he only did, he only saw the front and we, we went up to him and said, Hey, you know, we're from atop the pit box. And, and he was like, Oh, the, the fantasy NASCAR podcast. And we we're like, yeah, that that that's us. So I don't know if it was, uh, you know, he saw the shirts and and then he put it to, put it together, but kind of felt like he remembered us. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we got a connection now, Zach. Yeah, for sure. And it, it kind of put it in perspective. I had reached out to Bob here, I don't know, a couple months ago, I guess, and uh, just let him know what we were doing and, and wondered if he would jump on and and be a guest on our podcast. And so I've had discussions with him. Uh, we agreed to kind of table the talk uh, just because of how new the podcast was at the time. I mean, I think we were five or six episodes in. <laughs> you didn't waste so any time to reach out to Bob. <laughs> I took my shot, man. So they, they you say you to. miss every shot you don't take. So I thought it was worth worth the uh, chance. And, you know, we, we got to talking and he gave me a cell phone number. And I ended up texting him last Monday, which unfortunately was bad timing because – Kurt Bush or the Kyle Bush announcement came out Tuesday. The schedule came out Wednesday, and then he had to get to Bristol Thursday for the truck race uh, that happened Thursday night. The Xfinity race Friday. So I just told him, you know what? I'll, we'll, don't worry about it. We'll meet up at the tweet up, and so we did. So when he looked down, like you said, and saw our shirt logo, and then we uh, introduced ourselves, that's when uh, he said, "Oh yeah, the uh, NASCAR NASCAR Fantasy Podcast." So I thought that was pretty cool that, you know, he remembered who we were or at least uh, kind of put two and two together there. So hopefully we can get our goal is to hopefully get him on the podcast as a guest sometime in the offseason or the next year. I'm going to stay in contact with him. We'll see if we can make it happen. So uh, yeah, with that, that being be said, yeah, that would, that would be, be. <laughs> I mean, he is he is the biggest figurehead or main media guy for NASCAR for those who don't know Bob. So. Uh, he works and for definitely Fox worth Sports. a follow on 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 Twitter. So if you're not following Bob on Twitter, you're missing out. So exactly, yeah. If you want any NASCAR news whatsoever, Bob Pockress is your man. So go ahead and follow him on Twitter. Again, very nice guy, very knowledgeable. He's a man of the people. Uh, likes to have, you know, the night before the race, he was there at the foam cannon. They at the driver experience <laughs> area. They had a foam cannon. He was out there. Having, having himself a good time on a Friday night. So he likes to have a good time. And Love it. Uh, again, super nice guy. So with that being said, the last piece of NASCAR news, and I, I think it just came out this morning, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing has decided to swap the pit crews uh, between <laughs> Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch. So uh, I'm not surprised by this whatsoever. Denny Hamlin has had tons of issues with his pit yes. crew this year. Yeah, just a couple. Just a couple. Uh, Kyle Busch now being out of the playoffs, his team has been really, really good from a pit crew standpoint. So they are swapping pit crews for the rest of the year to hopefully allow Denny Hamlin to make a deep run in the playoffs. This is uh, 
also something that I kind of learned recently is that these crews are owned by the teams, like the owners, not the drivers. Like they don't, it's not a, the driver's not the team with the, with the pit crew. So when Kyle Busch leaves, none of his pit crew is going to, to go with him. It stays with, with Joe Gibbs racing. So the fact that they made the switch makes perfect sense. And, you know, <laughs> we've, we've mentioned that every race, there's an issue with, with the 11 on pit road. So being in the playoffs, this is a, a major switch and, and should bode well for the 11 car going forward in the playoffs. All right. So now let's get to the, the meat here. Let's talk about our trip to Bristol. Um, what were your overall thoughts on the track as you pulled up into the, into the parking lot and, and walked in and saw that track for the first time? So driving down that road again, we knew this place was going to be big, but when I first saw this place, I could not believe how big it was. Essentially it is a giant football arena or stadium that has a track where the field technically should be. So it seats about a, it at its heyday, it seats 160,000 fans. I think there were roughly a hundred thousand fans when we were there on Saturday night. So again, it's just a massive, massive venue. Uh, when you walk in that place, uh, it, it's just incredible and, and words can't describe just how massive it is. Uh, it, it is an awesome, awesome racetrack. It, it was on the, my bucket list. I'm glad we went. Uh, the experience was fantastic between the three doors down concert with the driver <laughs> experience. You know, we we're right there, right next to the stage. Uh, they put on a really, really good show. Uh, and then, you know, we got lucky and were able to figure figure out where the walkway was going to be put for the drivers to come out for intros. And so we got to stand right next to the walkway, high five the drivers, take good pictures. So uh, from an overall standpoint, man, it, it did not let down or let us down for sure. What were your thoughts? So I remember walking in and it, it almost took my breath away. And I know that's like cliche and, and sounds stupid, but it was it was you seen it on TV and to actually see it with your own eyes and see the banking of those turns and and see the cars on it and the, the stands and the it's just like you said, it's massive. It was it was awesome. Um, and then and then the, the fan experience was fantastic and the smell and the sounds and it was just it was something I will never forget. And, uh, it, it was an amazing experience. And if anybody has the chance to do it, I recommend going to Bristol. I will probably go back. Um, it was, it was phenomenal and they really, they really put on a, a, a good show. And, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed the day. It was a long day, uh, but it was very, very, very rewarding and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So let's talk about the race. So obviously we were there, different perspective than the people at, at home on TV. But um, overall, what are your thoughts on on the actual race? So, you know, we've we've talked about this since since last weekend. But as you were there, I mean, the, the laps are so fast or 15 second laps. The race, you know, went by pretty fast and just taking it all in. 
to us, the race seemed like it was a pretty good race. But then once you go back to and watch it, once you start uh, reading some stuff on social media and then kind of think back about what happened, unfortunately, we saw one of the biggest <laughs> duds in Bristol history, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, again, being the first time, it, it was masked by just the experience, the smells of, you know, grills and and I told you I want that smell as a as a candle for my house. Oh, I would I would, I would buy <laughs> so many of those things. It smells so good. Oh, everywhere. I want that smell. Exactly. But from an overall race standpoint, you look back at the race, I mean, the high line was by far the most dominant line. Couldn't really pass on the bottom. And what I think what really made it a dud of a race is the cars just could not handle the speeds, the banking, the track. I mean, so many drivers had issues and it's just unfortunate because it's a playoff race and it costs a lot of drivers from advancing into the next round. So from an overall race standpoint, it wasn't very good. Again, it was masked by our first time being there, but um, but again, you look through everything and yeah, it just wasn't a very good race, uh, on, on paper. So do you, uh, do you agree with that? I guess what, what other things, you know, stand out to you? Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're right. Um, you know, when we were there, obviously the experience and, and seeing the cars and the race and, um, we'll get into some of the things that happened to some of these playoff teams later, but, uh, the finish you know, Chase Elliott, my boy trying to, to hunt down, um, Busher thought it was good. You know, I walked out of there going, wow, that was, that was amazing. And it was more of a experience of the day. That was amazing. Not the race was amazing because there wasn't any crashes. Um, you know, we didn't have any really hard racing where, you know, there's a big crash and takes out six or seven cars. And, the story of the night was, was mechanical issues. I mean, how many drivers had tires go down or engine failure or steering issues and yeah, Bristol was fun, but you don't want a race to be decided by things outside of the driver's control. So that was kind of a bummer. And Chase Elliott finished second again for the, for my pick for the third straight week. So, um, I know you were nervous, but it, uh, it didn't happen. So, um, so yeah, it was, it, it was a great experience, but yeah, if I was on TV, I would probably be disappointed with it. Agreed. Agreed hundred percent. So let's, let's get into the results here. Stage one, Brad Keselowski, stage two, Christopher Bell, and your ultimate winner was, was Chris Busher. So, I mean, the story of the night was, I mean, you get, you get in front or out front at that track and it was going to be very, very hard to pass that guy, whether you had new tires or not. So Brad Keselowski and Chris Buescher, RFK Racing, they called some really good pitch, pitch strategy there. And ultimately, those two cars combined led the most laps. Chris Buescher led the most laps by himself. Uh, but from an overall standpoint, RFK was very fast and uh, we, we sat next to a guy and, and some of his family, and he was gracious enough to watch our stuff when we went down to the driver experience. And, you know, we got to talk to him, and, and Brad Keselowski was his favorite driver. And we told us that before the race. We kind of we kind of gave him a little static with how yeah, bad a year Brad, Brad K had. But that first stage, he looked really, really fast, and he was fast the entire race. You know, he had one, 
one uh, tire issue, which which ultimately led him to pit. He still rebounded and came back. I think he finished in the top 15, maybe even the top 10, but uh, at least another RFK driver got the win for, for our buddy Chris that was sitting next to us from Virginia. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to Chris. Maybe he's listening to the podcast. Maybe we got a uh, a new new listener this week. So, um, playoff drivers, not a fun not a fun night for a lot of them. And I think we we got to start with with Norton's boy, um, Ryan Blaney. Did not have a very good start to this race. No, and and as the race played out, it seemed like. There was a lot of right front tire issues. And for whatever reason, being in the lead was almost a jinx. Uh, Ryan was. Blaney, I believe, was leading the race when he had a right tire issue. Uh, he hit the wall really hard, and it ended up breaking the tow link. And ultimately, you know, he went behind pit wall and, and was 70, 80 laps down. So... Norton, you know, this was probably lap 50 to 100. He was ready to go home after that, which there's still oh, I think it was before laps. that. I think it was before that. It was so early. I don't, so, remember what, uh, I don't remember what lap it was, but I felt like it was like in the first like 20. And Norton is ready to go home. Yeah, He's he, done. <laughs> it was early on. It was definitely early on. But then you look at the rest of the race. Uh, Austin Sindrick had tire issues. Kyle Busch had mechanical issues. <laughs> yeah, his engine blew, Austin, right? Yeah, he blew an engine. Second blown engine in, in the last three races. And they threw a crazy stat out. I think he had gone, what was it, 98 races yeah. without a blown engine. And then the last two races, he's had a blown engine, which is just unbelievable how bad of luck <laughs> him and Truex have had this year. So... Uh, he had trouble, which ultimately cost him making the next round. Austin Dillon, Tyler Reddick, Daniel Suarez, they were all caught up in Suarez losing control of his car going down the straightaway, which was one of the crazier things we saw uh, that weekend. And then Harvick and Hamlin, speak of the devil, uh, <laughs> had had loose wheel issues on pit road. And uh, Blaney did as well, and I just saw a report that he, uh, his – his crew chief got suspended for four races. So he advanced oh. to the next round, but he's not going to have his crew chief. So that'll be something to pay attention to it's crew chief and a couple of crew members, isn't it? Or is it exactly? Yep. No so. crew chief. And I think it's like the tire changer and maybe yeah. the jack man. Um, that's a big hit. I mean, this is, these are three really important races coming up and uh, not having your, your crew chief there is a pretty big hit. So we'll see if Blaney can, can rebound and get through that and maybe make the next round. Yeah. The pit pit issues cost Harvick, you know, a chance for, for the win and, and ultimately cost him his, you know, kicked him out of the playoffs. So um, it is a very important part of the team. And you can see that with the, with the switch that Hamlin's making or that Joe Gibbs is making for Hamlin to give him the best possible team. So uh, those, those guys are super, super important. So, there was also something that happened at the end of the race that we our our scanners weren't the best, so we we didn't have the the broadcast to to listen to, um, but we were kind of following on Twitter. But the 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 team orders at the end of the race was pretty interesting as we had competing teams kind of fig, trying to figure out how to get their drivers through in the playoffs, and 
it's kind of interesting to kind of see him go back and forth. Yeah, and like you said, we we didn't have the scanners for for, for whatever reason. Broadcast wasn't working on our scanners very well. Oh, they so were we, terrible. We had to piece this thing together, but you could kind of see it playing out, you know, live in person uh, with Kyle Busch exiting the race with a blown engine. He still was above the cut line by two, three, four points. But as the race went on, you know, he started falling back, falling back, falling back. So Toyota, Ty Gibbs was about, uh, it was like four or five laps from basically knocking Kyle Busch down in the standings, which would then knock him out of the playoffs. Well, Ty Gibbs earlier in the race had power steering issues along with a couple other drivers, uh, Alex Bowman being one of them. Denny Bubba Hamlin Wallace. had steering issues, Bubble Wallace. I mean, it was incredible how many power steering issues they had. And Truex ultimately uh, wasn't able to finish the race because he had power steering issues as well. So with that being said, Ty Gibbs, they, they went behind the wall. They fixed it. They put him back out there. Well, he's out there running, and he was four to five laps away from, from bumping Kyle Busch down in the standings. And everyone that we you know could follow on Twitter or some of the stuff that we heard on the scanner – the million dollar question was, are they really going to knock Kyle Busch out of the playoffs? Their own manufacturer going to do this? And the answer was no. They ended up parking Ty Gibbs before that could happen. So he didn't knock Kyle Busch out. But Eric Almarola and Joey Logano were trying to help Cindric leapfrog Kyle Busch in the standings. And so what happened is Eric Almarola got parked. Joey Logano did. I uh, have issues. I can't remember if he had a flat tire or what happened. I think he got into the wall, but he had had issues all night, but he still was out there running and they decided to essentially park Joey Logano, which then allowed Austin Cindric to leapfrog him in the race results to gain the extra points needed to then knock Kyle Busch out of the playoffs. So there was a lot of, a lot of drama, a lot of strategy per se, team orders involved at Bristol and it even got to the point where the NASCAR officials and maybe even like some of the competition guys went down and inspected the cars afterwards just to make sure that there was no funny business going on uh, and everything came back clean. So whether it was a coincidence or if they were, there really were team orders and, and that is what led Cindric to make the playoffs and Kyle Busch to miss it, uh, it's something that we probably will never know the real truth. I mean, but we know the truth. <laughs> yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> it's pretty obvious that they wink, wink, did it. Uh, you know, did what they needed to do. So, um, what's Jeff Gluck's poll say about this race? So th- this is when we started realizing <laughs> that yes, we we saw a, a dud of a race. But Jeff Gluck's poll, sixty point seven percent of voters said yes, it was a good race. Again, our threshold or the threshold historically has been anything above 80%. It's been a solid race. If you hit 90%, it's a great race. 60.7% was the second worst Bristol race of all time. <laughs> and, of course, it's the one race we went to. So, overall, that's, not that's very, very fitting. Good. That's very fitting. Um, I remember before we, before we saw the results of the poll – we were going into Waffle House for breakfast, and I was like, man, really reflecting on the race. I was like, did we really just see, like, the worst Bristol race ever? <laughs> and then it comes to find out that, yeah, everybody kind of agrees. That one that one sucked. So, um, Yeah, for sure. 
it is what it is. We got to see it. We can't choose the, you know, the, the race, but. Another thing that I just thought of during the race is there was some uh, controversy with when NASCAR threw cautions and when they yeah. didn't. So as, as you watch the race, uh, Eric Jones got in the wall and they threw a caution, I believe for him right away. Uh, Brad Keselowski cuts a tire down leading the race, hits the wall. They don't throw a caution. He fits, is forced a couple laps down. He eventually rebounds to finish again in the top 15. Christopher Bell blows a tire while leading. Uh, stays out because they did throw a caution, which saved him. He ended up finishing in the top five. Uh, and then there were a couple of other instances I can't think of off the top of my head where drivers um, – whether I think it was like Ty Dillon or Harrison Burton, something like that, they threw cautions. Well, then there was a couple other times that drivers hit the wall or got a flat tire and they didn't throw cautions. So there was a lot of controversy on when NASCAR threw cautions and when they didn't, which then maybe kind of framed the race per se on how it was going to finish. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I know that the the Christopher Bell one is kind of the one that is leading the the reason for the 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 comments about the the cautions. Obviously, it saves his position, helps him out immensely. Um, I didn't. Uh, Norton is the one I think that Norton or you were the ones that first initially kind of was like, "What's what's going on with these cautions?" Um, I kind of felt like some of those cars had the opportunity to get around out of traffic and get into pit road without causing a caution. Um, but yeah, it. You know, looking back, it, it was pretty inconsistent. And, you know, if you're if you're somebody that's, you know, staying out and, and having to go laps down and then you see the same thing happen to Christopher Bell and he gets saved by a caution that, you know, that's that that might be hard to swallow. So hopefully we can, you know, get some some consistency to those calls. But um, just like in any other sport, there's going to be those judgment calls and sometimes they go your way. Sometimes they don't. So. Um, it's, it's just one of those things that the drivers have to deal with. Yeah. And one of the big wigs in NASCAR, uh, came out and kind of talked through, uh, the cautions and cause they were catching flack on online, you know, on social media. And he basically said, you know, we don't have 40 people around the track at all times, seeing everything right when it happens. Unfortunately, there's an element of human error involved and human decision-making involved. So, uh, he basically said, yeah, they, there might have been some inconsistencies, but we try to be consistent. We try to do the best we can with what we have. So um, unfortunately, that's it's just like any sport. Like you said, you're going to have uh, some officials that make the wrong call or make the right call. And uh, unfortunately, that's just part of part of sports. And think about, you know, maybe it's a little harder to see on TV, but when you're there, there's first of all, it's really small. So the cars after a couple laps, there's cars everywhere and it's it, they're, they're just going so fast around this track that it's, it, it is hard to, to make that split decision. And you don't want to be, I, I don't think that the, the guy up there with the flags is, is trying to, you know, be like, Oh, well, I'm going to wave this for Christopher Bell. You know I mean? I don't think there's anything like that. It's just, he's trying not to be the storyline. Um, he doesn't mm -hmm. want to be the reason for, you know, changing the race, but he also doesn't want anybody to get hurt. So it's a, it's a tough job. I sure as hell wouldn't want to do it. Um, no. because you, you really, I mean, 
you you can't be right. It's just like any other ref. You're not going to please everybody. So um, it it was some inconsistencies. I think once once we kind of got some explanations, it kind of made sense. But um, but yeah, that was that was part of the part of the race. So um, looking at our picks for the race, mentioned earlier, Kyle Busch with the the uh, blown engine finished 34th, missed the playoffs, and uh, Chase Elliott. Just needed a little bit more umph in his car to to get past Busher, but uh, I know the last fifty laps were a little nerve wracking for you. Yeah, I, I was cool as a cucumber on the outside, but on the inside, my <laughs> blood pressure was through the roof. So um, I was just picturing in my head you guys wanting to stop at two o'clock in the morning as we're driving back to our hotel. We got to go get a pie. We got to go find a grocery store that's open. And all I wanted to do was go to bed. So I also I'm wanted glad. to go to bed. So it wasn't going to happen that night. But the next morning, I was like, I'm sure we could find a, a, a spot in the morning to to get a nice pie. Exactly. So no, I'm I'm glad that Busher ended up winning, and I didn't get pie in the face. But it's coming close, man. You're knocking on the door three weeks in a row. Yeah, one of these weeks, I got to do it. So, uh, as we turn our our attention to fantasy. When we look at the team average, uh, playoff average was 72 points. Overall average is 80 points. So pretty much what you would expect. Uh, we have a new low for the season, nine points at Bristol. So something good did you know happen at Bristol. One of my teams got nine points. So new low of the season. And uh, Jeff Paulson was the high for the race at 138 points. So rough day for for Jeff. Uh looking at the top 24 and we have a a new number 1. So congratulations to Adam Studer who takes the top spot. Tracy Norton was last week's uh number 1 and he had a rough week. 124 points. He fell 10 spots and I know we were texting him at, during the race, and and he is he's like, oh, I'm done. Zero teams next year. So hopefully he can kind of rebound and and get back with uh get back with it. But uh, a tough week for Tracy Norton. Another tough week for Taylor Schleiss, who falls two spots uh, down to number nine. And Amy Weiss, another former number one, is uh, now currently in sixth. She falls four spots uh, down to number six. So. Uh, couple uh, a couple rough weeks for for our previous leaders um almost feels like you get number one and and you get some tire issues and you fall down the standings but uh, we'll see what happens to adam this week and as we had uh the third race of the playoffs we had some eliminations so adam studer number two steve rolfus number four brian brockman pat beeson dennis musich and Mike Colby all were eliminated from the playoffs this week. So they had a good run, finished top 24, um, but unfortunately not able to to keep going. A um, couple couple uh, names in there, Zach, that we probably weren't gonna or weren't thinking that we were gonna see. So Steve Rolfus, number four, spent 15 weeks in the top 10, and he spent two of those in in the first position. And Dennis Musich who spent 11 weeks in the top 10 and one week in first, both eliminated in the first week. So those teams have fallen pretty mightily. Uh, obviously, they still have a chance to 
make some money, get in the top 10, but they are, they're out of the, the main playoffs. So as you look at the top 24, Zach, what are your, any overall thoughts, anything that uh, jumps out at you? Well, you just pointed it out. You know, we have two, two teams or two entries that were in the top 10 for quite a while. And unfortunately are out of the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Steve Rolf is number four, Dennis Musich, rough couple weeks for them. And unfortunately, they're out of the first round. So to kind of refresh on how this works, we, we kind of follow the same, uh, I guess, elimination schedule as what NASCAR does with their schedule. So you have three races, and then we cut six teams. So now we have around, it's called a round of 12, which the next three races will decide uh, the next six people or six entries that are cut, which then gets us to our top 12 teams. Uh, as you pointed out, even though these dr- these six people or six entries are cut, they can still finish in the top nine, which is where you want to be to get money. So uh, all hope is not lost. It's just you unfortunately will not be able to finish in the top six if you are eliminated before that final round. So the top six uh, after Bristol is Adam Studer, Ryan Brash, number two, Bigger Sandwich, Kinnick Rolfus, Crazy Dale, number two, and Amy Weiss. So those would be your uh, your final six uh, if it ended today. So speaking of fallers, you mentioned this. Tracy Norton, number one. His team went from P1 to P11. Ouch. Even Bigger Sandwich. Love to see this. P10 Ouch. to P16. And Ron Boyson went from P6 to P12. You look at those teams – Couple Truex, some Reddicks, Briscoe, uh, Joey Logano, guys that just didn't have good weeks as always. And then your biggest risers of the week, Richard Rainey went from P19 to P10. Adam Holtz went from P15 to P8. And Crazy Dale, number two, went from P11 to P5. These teams are eerily similar. Larson, Elliott, Busher are the three drivers that all three of those teams have. And then there's a couple differentiations there, but those three drivers all had good weeks, especially with Busher leading the most laps as well as winning the race. Your rookies, Taylor Schleiss and P9, Patrick McMeekin, P17, Robert Schaefer, number one in P18. Those are your playoff rookies. David Bangert is in P25 and still not in the playoffs. And Robert Schaefer, number two, is in P28. So this weekend's race is at the Texas Motor Speedway, a.k.a. the Great American Speedway in Fort Worth, Texas. NASCAR did say today, uh, as I was really curious what they were going to do, because to rewind, the all-star race was at Texas, and it was Mm. a horrible race. (laughs) I think that worse might be than, the only race that was worse than our Bristol race. Exactly. Worse than Bristol. So we didn't see the absolute worst race this year, but Texas all-star race was the worst race uh, this year. And so I was curious to see what NASCAR was going to do to try to uh, create more lanes for these drivers. And they did say that they're going to put the resin down as well as what they call the, they're going to use what they call the tire dragging, which is basically a machine that has a bunch of NASCAR tires attached to it. And it essentially just puts rubber into the racetrack to try to give 
the upper lane more grip because the bottom line is going to be uh, or a lot of drivers are going to be wanting to be based on where the resin's at, but they're going to put the tire, use the tire dragon up top to try to create that second or third lane up high and hopefully create some two wide racing. Uh, we'll see if that helps. I sure hope it does because that first Texas race this year was really bad. So if they have, if they put this resin down and create two lanes, does that fix the problem? Is that is that what needs to happen? Is that make Texas an exciting race then? I mean, it can't hurt, right? You, you try to do this to drum up excitement, to drum drum up better racing. Uh, so it's it definitely can't hurt, but uh, it just shows you the actions of, of this announcement show you that NASCAR is already concerned about what this race is going to be like this weekend. That's how I take <laughs> can't this have another. They can't have a playoff race that was like the all-star race. No, it, it, that would, that would be absolutely horrible for NASCAR as a sport with all the momentum they've built this year. If, if there is another dud back to back from a playoff standpoint uh, in the playoffs. So again, we'll see if the resident tire dragon work. It can't hurt. Uh, hopefully it helps, and, and we'll see this weekend. But uh, we're going to jump in now to Zach's tracks, track facts of the night. Got four quick facts for you here. Uh, the track was built in 1997, so it is one of the newer tracks. Uh, NASCAR wanted to put a track somewhere in the south, but close to the Midwest, because the Midwest really doesn't have a lot. If you look at NASCAR, it's a lot of East Coast, some West Coast. They wanted something more in the middle. So they decided on Fort Worth, Texas, because everything's bigger in Texas, right? So they built it in 1997. It's a D-shaped speedway, which there's a couple NASCAR tracks that are of similar shape uh, as Texas. Uh, That is track fact number one. Track fact number two is the Texas Motor Speedway holds 180,000 spectators. So, you know, Bristol... At its heyday, would hold 160,000 fans. So Texas is even bigger than what the Bristol experience would be, uh, which I can't imagine 180,000 fans. Essentially, that's two NFL stadiums full of people, which is just mind-blowing. But uh, it can hold multiple, what I call Jerry Jones domes or Dallas Cowboys stadiums in the middle. They don't mess around. They really Everything's bigger in Texas, isn't it? So we've... uh, We've gone down this trophy rabbit hole. So with the track fact number four, I thought we'd talk about the trophy as it's pretty unique at the Texas Motor Speedway. The winner gets a wooden cowboy boot trophy, which is unique in itself. But they also get a pair of six shooters, which they get to shoot in victory lane. So (laughs) it's kind of a unique celebration in victory lane, a unique trophy. So I thought that would be our last track fact of the night. And looking at Texas, the five drivers, the active five drivers who've had the best average finish are Tyler Reddick at 8.7, Christopher Bell at 9.0, Kevin Harvick is third at 10.2, Eric Jones is fourth at 10.5, and Kyle Rowdy Bush rounds out the top five at 10.9. Again, Texas All-Star Race was not good at all. It, 
it's going to be really hard to figure out who's going to be fast this weekend at Texas, but we're going to give it our, our best shot here with the picks of the race. I fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at this go first. I haven't put a lot of thought into this, but maybe that's um, your problem. Maybe you don't put it, you should start to put more thought into it. The previous races, I put a lot of thought into it. I don't know if I've had a driver finish in the top 20. <laughs> it hasn't been close. I'm going to go on a whim here and just say this driver has finished really well here at Texas in the last three races. The Toyotas are extremely fast at these mile and a half tracks. And this driver is on a run right now of three really high solid finishes in these last three races this year. I think he had the best average finish off the top of my head in the last three races or the first round of the playoffs. With that being said, my pick of the race is going to be Christopher Bell. Fuck, that's a really good pick. Fuck. I was so I might be getting the pie. That that is a really good pick. I'm I'm obviously uh I've got three straight second place finishes um so i kind of went off script last week and picked my boy chase elliott because we were going to be there but it was close it i'm was going close. hamlin i'm going hamlin he's got a new pit crew won't be any errors on pit road so it's going to be Hamlin. but i am i'm super nervous about this christopher bell pick i think that's a really good one he has been really fast the last few races and if if He's, you had taken hamlin i was taking christopher bell so look at that i, I think well, it's a i think it's a good pick i was torn between christopher bell and kyle larson because i think kyle larson's going to be fast at texas as well he, he's really good running that high line i think the high line it should come in with everything nascar is trying to do so i think he's going to be another driver to look out for but christopher bell is on a tear right now he had the best finish uh, average finish that is over the last three races in the first round of the playoffs. So maybe we've got also a, leading a Zach at Bristol, Dick so. curse. Maybe we've got a Zach Dick curse. You pick them and they they shit the bed. If it happens this weekend, I am going to actively <laughs> pick Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin the rest of the year. <laughs> I knew that was coming. To jinx you. So I'm just, I'm just letting you know, man. That's well, the alternative. Bell I, I hope Christopher Bell does not have uh, a blown engine like uh, Toyotas have known to to do well, so how mad are you going to be when when denny hamlin's new superman pit crew cost him the race he, there's going to be a <laughs> last last 20 30 lap pit stop and there's going to be an issue that cost him the race and kyle bush is going to be in his car just smiling from <laughs> ear to ear i mean he, he doesn't want bad things to happen to to hamlin I know, but it would just be really funny to see his all-star pit crew cost Denny Hamlin a win on the race that you I mean, picked. It, can't be, it cannot be worse. So no matter what they do, they can't be worse than what this pit crew has done for him this year. And it's amazing that he's in the position that he is, even in spite of all that. So Yeah, it's, he, he it's, has to lead NASCAR. Him and Bubba Wallace have to lead NASCAR this year with the number, the most most pit stop penalties or most pit stop issues by far. Yeah, I and and his he had a uh, a suspension. His didn't his crew chief get suspended for four races? 
Yeah. Of, uh, he did. Some... So I mean, it's yep. just been a, it's just been a mess. So it's going to be interesting. Hopefully it's a, it's a good race and not what we saw at the, at the all-star race, but we'll still be tuning in and, and then we'll be back next week to, to recap it. And then what do we have after what's after Texas? So this round of the playoffs, you've got Texas, you've got Talladega, Ooh. and you've got the Charlotte Roval. So you've got three completely different tracks. I like that. Talladega is a wild card. Obviously, anyone can win. And now remember, in this playoff format, if you win, you automatically advance to the next round. So you've got four drivers right now fighting for their lives at the bottom of the playoff standings. If one of those drivers wins, it's going to mm-hmm. knock out a really, really fast, good car. So this round is probably the most exciting round of the playoffs, in my opinion. It's no days off. Take no breaks. You in my lane. You in my way. You cross that line. It ain't your day. I lost my mind.